Thank you for tuning in to the Pocket Lawyer Podcast, hosted by the Dixon Firm in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's episode is called The Case of the $7 Million Texting While Driving Verdict. My name is Renee Cooper. Hi, I'm attorney Rod Dixon. Today's 15-second shout-out goes to Gotcha's Breakfast Bar on Cascade Road in the city of South Fulton. They are a local black woman-owned restaurant featuring deliciously crafted breakfast, brunch, and lunch items. They have vegan options, they have daily specials, and they support the city of South Fulton's uh, goal to eliminate single-use plastics. They have dine-in and orders to go. Today, we are dining outside. First, a little bit of backstory. A driver and a passenger were in Thomasville, Georgia, when their car experienced a flat tire. They pulled off the road on the left shoulder to change the spare tire. As they were doing so, a commercial car collided with them and their car. The driver of the initial car suffered a broken leg and lacerated liver. The passenger was thrown onto the highway and declared dead at the scene. Attorney Rod Dixon filed a wrongful death suit on behalf of the victim's three adult children in Fulton County State Court. There are many parts of the story that the news did not cover. Can you describe how you learned about the case and why you took this case? Well, I was contacted by the family, uh, the son of a lady who, as described to me, was killed in an automobile accident in South Georgia. Now, the details of the, the initial story, at least as far as the son knew, included that the police officers who investigated the crash determined that his mother, the deceased, was in fact at fault for, uh, for, for her own death because according to the police officer, she was standing in the roadway at the time this defendant's vehicle came along and hit her. After you received the information from the son, how did you continue your investigation into this case and what did you learn more about? Well, as is often the case, when a family member comes uh, to us, whether it's a family member or someone who was hurt, uh, who, who is still alive, when they come to us and tell us the initial details, what they understand have happened and we decide to take the case, we dig in and often learn more about what happened than even they knew. So in this instance, the son knew that the police officer said his mother was at fault for being in the roadway. We take that and we understand that this is a death case and we know we have to dig further to figure out why this lady actually died. Did she have to die? So in this instance, we uh, at first uh, obtained an accident reconstruction. We sent an expert out to the scene to photograph the scene, to photograph everything around the scene, the roadway, the grassy area uh, where the car pulled over to change the tire. Uh, we had the photo photography occur in the daytime, but then also at night when the accident actually took place so we could best understand the conditions uh, that were involved. We interviewed witnesses, and of course we went over the information that the police had, that they provided to us and had to provide to us through what is called an Open Records Act. And once we got those details, we knew at that point there was enough to bring a lawsuit against the driver of this commercial vehicle because the details in his story and what the police said were not adding up. So what were some of those contradicting details and why do you think that 
it was possible these details were presented the way they were and maybe not one of the initial things we learned was that the driver of this commercial vehicle it was a four-door uh, car. The driver of this vehicle was a young white man who had uh, been going down the roadway and he hit and killed a 46-year-old black lady down in South Georgia. Now, we don't automatically go to race as a reason for anything happening. Certainly, this young man did not intend for this to happen. But this young man went to the hospital and we learned that the police officer, the main officer investigating this, this crash, uh, a white police officer in South Georgia, went to the hospital and told this young man that he was not going to charge him with anything and that he would do anything he could to help him. Now, in the eyes of someone who is very in tune with how racial biases can impact the investigation of a car accident or a death or anything else, that raised red flags in my mind. That said to me, you know what? It's not appropriate for this officer to go to the hospital and tell this, uh, th th this person that he's going to help him in any way he can. The car was not in fact obstructing the roadway, but was well within the area it needed to be when it pulled over. Yeah. How did you, how were you able to prove that? Who actually looked at that, that evidence and brought that forward? So with the accident reconstruction, we have the uh, reconstructionist, the expert, go to the scene and, and do the measurements and photography that we mentioned earlier. But we also have the accident reconstructionist examine the vehicles involved so that we can create 3D renderings and actually animate what we believe happened in the crash. And so the accident reconstructionist put all of this together and came to the conclusion that the vehicle our client or the deceased was in was actually all the way off the roadway and not partially on the roadway, as the police officer said. And so when we learned that they were all the way off the roadway and that the defendant's vehicle hit our, our uh, deceased passenger's vehicle, we knew that the defendant's vehicle had to veer off the roadway, right? right. And so then the question became, now, now we've proved, we have sufficient proof, we believe, to show that our client was in the right in being on the side of the roadway in an emergency situation to change a tire. Why did the defendant's vehicle leave the roadway? We always have to get to the why did this happen? And in this instance, we continued our investigation and decided to look into the defendant's cell phone records to try to figure out if maybe he was distracted. So what we were able to learn in going through analyzing the cell phone records, deciphering what they really meant, we knew that in the driver had been on the road for two solid hours. And the defendant driver in those two solid hours had sent and received more than 200 text messages to this one person, to and from this one person. Wow. So I had the phone records and I had the phone number for this one person and I got on the phone and I called that number to figure out who this guy was in this text message just conversation with. And as it turned out, it was his ex-girlfriend. Now ex-girlfriend, at the time, they were still together. And we saw from these records that he had sent a text message to his, he had sent one to his ex-girlfriend within a minute 
of the crash. And so now the pieces start to come together. Why did this young man leave the road? Well, he had his cell phone in his hand while he was behind the wheel, sending a text message, left the roadway, and unfortunately, a lady lost her life as a result. Wow. Even as being distracted, he didn't see the car at all, and what happens once he hit the car? Yeah. So no, he did not see the car before he hit it. That just goes to show you how distracted he was. One of the witnesses we tracked down was driving ahead of this defendant's vehicle. And he saw the disabled vehicle and our clients on the side of the road, even at night, more than a quarter mile away before he got to them. He changed lanes because it's a two lane roadway. He changed lanes to get out of their way and then looked in his rear view mirror and saw the defendant barreling down on our, on our client. So we knew that it was possible to see if he was paying attention. He was not paying attention. He was on that cell phone and a lady lost her life. So these may be a little bit more, um, I'm gonna say gruesome uh, details, but I think sometimes it's important to know just how the, the one who, um, whose life was, was spared was behind her vehicle, but a little off to the side, while the one who lost her life was directly behind the vehicle, uh, handling the spare tire. And so when the defendant came, crossed, the, uh, crossed off the roadway uh, into the median and hit uh, the vehicle our client was in, our, our deceased passenger was in, she was sandwiched between the vehicles and the tire and she and the defendant's vehicle bounced off the disabled vehicle and continued to travel down the roadway and it came to rest about 75 to 100 feet uh, down the roadway and um, that's where she lay deceased. Wow. And even with the details of that, the authorities coming to the scene of the crime, still initially became the blame of the person who was uh, driving the car, yeah. which I guess in this situation, the car had moved from its initial point, but that's why you did the investigation right. to understand the start. Right, right. So what happened when you went to trial? We took the case to trial because we could not get it resolved pre-suit. We determined that the only way to prove our case and to get justice for this unfortunate lady and for her children was to present the case to a jury. We went into court, we brought our witnesses, we brought the accident reconstructionist, we told the jury what happened, we showed them with the evidence, the photos, the black box measurements from the vehicles, the testimony from the witnesses, we showed them with the evidence that the defendant driver was a distracted driver while he was working, ironically, to deliver medications to people. He was distracted because he got into a text argument with his girlfriend, which when we got him on the witness stand and cross-examined him about the text messages, he admitted he was in an argument with his girlfriend and that they subsequently broke up. A text argument with his girlfriend led to the death of a mother of three young men.
We asked the jury for $7 million to compensate for the life of this lady, and the jury awarded $7 million. It's really hard because in this case, there is nothing that's going to bring the mother back. However, when it comes to cases like this where you previously mentioned the driver of the commercial vehicle probably has to live with this for the rest of his life. Yeah. So in this case of the $7 million, who does have to pay that back? Does it fall on the driver or does it fall on his company or somewhere else? The driver is principally responsible for the verdict, but because the driver was working at the time for a co company, a corporation, the company is in fact responsible for paying for any negligence and, and the damages from any negligence that its employee, the driver caused. And so in this case, the company itself was responsible for paying the $7 million verdict. This is a very important case overall because I know that almost everyone has at one point in their life probably been a little bit distracted while they have driven, but this just shows the worst case scenario for multiple people involved and in this case, the worst case of uh, a wrongful death case. Um, I'm curious, the photo editing that was able to go in and show that the uh, car was actually you know, in the right to be where it was, it was not obstructing. Who did that? Who pulled that evidence together? Yeah. So the accident reconstructionist took the photos, digital photos, of course, um, at the scene, and then also examined the cars and took measurements of the cars, including length and width and wheelbase and those things that are important to determine uh, where the vehicles were at the time. And so in certain of the photos, where the vehicle was pulled off the road to the left into the grassy median, there were tire marks from when the vehicle was struck and dug into the ground. And the tire marks were at such an angle, and then the vehicle was pushed and turned. You could see, if you took the reconstructed images of the cars and then because these are digital photos, lighten the photos, you could see the tire marks in the lightened photos. You could overlay the two to determine the direction the defendant's vehicle was traveling at the time it struck the deceased vehicle. And so when you did those things and overlaid them, you could see that the defendant's vehicle was traveling in the direction off the roadway at the time of the collision. Um, so it was, it was really because we were able to lighten those images, those digital images, that we were able to really drive that conclusion home to the jury because at that point, it wasn't what an accident reconstructionist said. It wasn't what a mathematic formula said. It was, look at what your eyes are telling you. You can see this. And the jury agreed, they saw it, and they returned a verdict that was just. Are there any other details about this case or similar cases that you feel are worth mentioning to try to help people to avoid being in a situation like this? I don't know that I would call it a detail as much as it is a lesson. And one that I learned as a result of this case is sending that text message or reading that text message worth the possibility, the risk that you will hit somebody. 
and that either you or someone else will be seriously injured. So I would say to anyone, when you're behind the wheel riding down the roadway and you are tempted, as we all are, to read a text or to send a text, first ask yourself, is whatever in this message worth the trouble that it could cause? And 99.999% of the time, the answer is no. Reading or sending that text message can wait another five minutes. Thanks, Rod, for giving that information. It's not a pleasant topic to hear about a wrongful death case, but it is very helpful for all of us to learn a lesson of how to do better and how to make sure we can look for the right uh, resources to get justice in cases where it's definitely needed. So, of course, all of our listeners can keep the conversation going on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by visiting at Dixon Firm on, across social media. You can ask us questions about this case or uh, about similar cases. You can join our email list for podcast updates and a chance to win a $50 restaurant gift card. We'll also be attending the City of South Fulton's Trunk or Treat on Saturday, October 30th at Welcome All Park. We'll be covering up to 250 free meals from Sandtown Pub on Wheels, giving out free gifts like reusable straws because we support the City of South Fulton's initiative as well for uh, doing away with single-use plastics. We will also be giving away a free Nintendo Switch. Yeah, I know, I just got your attention. So uh, come visit us at our table. We also have some other freebies and fun gifts and prizes to give away. Uh, you can learn more about the event on our website, on City of South Fulton's website, or details on our social media. Remember, if you have a case referral or a consultation request, click the link in our description or visit D-I-X-O-N-F-I-R-M.com, that's DixonFirm.com, or call our shiny new phone number at 888-Dixon11 or 888-349-6611. Thanks always for listening and continue to stay safe.